0: Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our midweek Bible study called Morning Glory. I'm so happy that you're here today, and I want to invite you, grab your Bibles, and let's study God's Word together. We're primarily going to be in the book of Acts today, Acts chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 3, and today let's talk about heavenly visions, having Supernatural visions seen into the glory realm, being taken in the spirit to heaven, seeing amazing things. Let's talk about that today. Maybe some of you will be caught up to the library of heaven. Praise God. I've got a nice library setting over my shoulder today. And I just believe that God's got some amazing things in store for you to see. Praise God with your spiritual vision. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we, at, we, well, we thank you, Father, that the entrance of your word brings light, and that entrance comes with an understanding of it. So, Father, let the understanding of your word break forth today. Let the light be turned on, the light of understanding. And we thank you that you're still granting visions today. And we give you praise for it. Thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit who brings forth these wonderful, wonderful things. We give you all of the praise. And we thank you that you are going to be granting and releasing visions. Father, we praise you in Jesus' name. Let's all agree and say amen. I'd like to start again in Acts chapter 10. And let's go to verse 3. Now, it says about the ninth hour of the day, so that would be right around three o'clock in the afternoon. Of course, you know, uh, Cornelius and Peter and all of these guys, they didn't have a watch on. So, (laughs) you know, it's a pretty close approximate uh, to that three o'clock time. It says about the ninth hour of the day or three o'clock, he, that would be Cornelius, saw clearly in a vision, an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. Well, there's nothing quite as refreshing and certainly not many things quite as exciting as being greeted by an angel who actually knows your name. Praise the Lord. Notice that it says that Cornelius saw him clearly. Now, today I want to talk about genuine visions that are given by God. I know that it's so easy for young Christians to maybe try to fabricate something to perhaps get into the soulless realm and, you know, uh, in a sense, even imagine something and it's all coming out of the soul. It's not really something supernatural. But today we're going to talk about the real. And I've had many people over the years asked me pastor Stephen, I think I think I had a vision did is that a vision well if you're not sure and if you think you know maybe it could be or couldn't or maybe it wasn't well then probably 99% of the time it wasn't <laughs> because when it's real it's very very powerful and of course here concerning Cornelius it says that he saw clearly in a vision if there's not that clear sight then uh, there's something that about it that's not authentic. And every vision, everyone, 100% that I've ever had from God, there's been clarity to it. It's not like it was something that I've, you know, I, I, well, I don't really know. Maybe I did have too much pizza. No, when it's real, you'll know it. And when it's, uh, real, it's, it brings a clarity that's probably beyond 1080p. HD, maybe even beyond 4K. Who knows? But it it, cer- it certainly is a real thing, and he clearly saw in a vision an angel. Ooh, praise God! Well, we all like angels, don't we? An angel of God coming in and saying to him, "Now, <coughs> excuse me." Notice that the angel came in, and angels are spirits. Um, they can go right through walls. They can go right through windows. Of course, evil spirits can too. Somebody might think, well, Pastor Stephen, I'm going to re- I'm going to move to a remote island. I want to get away from temptation. Well, you can get onto a remote island and you could even build a fortress made of three feet thick walls, but spirits can go right through, good and unfortunately, bad as well. So these are spirit beings. Of course, here in context, we're talking about angels. We're not going to talk about the demons and all those on the dark side, the losing side, but we're going to talk about the angels of God and about the visions. And so an angel of God coming in so they can come right through the walls. I've seen, I've seen them do that in visions. I've seen in visions, Jesus walk right through the wall. And when he was done sharing what he came to share, I've I've seen him turn around and walk right back out, going back out through the wall, and then, you know, just gone. <laughs> and you think, wow, <laughs> that must be pretty cool. One day we'll be able to do that too when we have a glorified body. Right now, while we are a spirit, you know, you're a spirit, I'm a spirit, we are at the same time living within a physical body. And the physical body has a lot of limitations, and that's okay. One day we'll have a glorified physical body. And that's going to be really nice. And we can, we can do some fun things too. Uh, But for now, you know, we have to play by the earthly rules that we are governed by. And we'll let the angels do the walking through the walls. Now, of course, if there was a miracle manifestation of the Holy Spirit, you could walk through a wall you could walk on water you could walk out of a prison you and those things have been recorded consistently throughout church history but that's a miracle and once it's over you're back to your normal physical structure praise god but those angels uh they can come right through a wall and then they could uh, it's like they can vaporize they can turn into a mist they can turn into a fire. They can turn into a smoke. They can go up in the smoke. And so they are spirit beings. And it says that he saw an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. Now verse four, it says, and when he observed him, when Cornelius observed the angel, real visions have real clarity. And there certainly can be observation. I mean, it's not like when I've seen angels, I I couldn't, you know, notice what kind of clothes they were wearing. We're, of course, you're going to see that. Just like if a person you never met before comes and, and you meet that person, you're having a conversation, well, you're going to notice what color their hair is, what color their eyes are, and on and on it goes. So I have seen different types of angels. Not all angels have blonde hair. Some angels have blonde hair. Black hair. Some angels have red hair. They can also have different. Uh, I. I don't know if I should use the word skin because they don't have skin like we do. But I would say their exterior color. I've seen that in different colors. I've seen clothing in different colors. I've seen white robes. I've seen red robes. I've seen other colors also. That I've seen rainbow-colored angels. Praise the Lord. Rainbow, of course, representing the covenant, and also representing the seven spirits of God. Now it says, and when he observed him, so these visions allow you to observe things. Praise God. Now he's going to observe the angel, but the angels there not you know really to be looked at, but really to bring a message. Praise God. But nevertheless, visions can be very immersive. In their nature, very um, uh, much something that stimulates our senses, not only uh, the ability to see but can be other senses that are uh, encountering this visionary realm as well but today we 're primar- we 're primarily talking about visions in the sense of seeing seen into the spirit realm, seen through the supernatural. Ability of the Holy Spirit to see through visions, praise God. Now, real visions produce real encounters, and real encounters produce real change for the better, praise God. So we're talking about the real, the genuine, and we need to be open to it and have faith for it, because I believe that God is still granting visions today. They can be life-changing Experiences. Praise the Lord. Now, there are three types of visions. Today, I want to spend a little more time, I think, on the subject of the open vision. And that would be the highest form of the three types of visions. Uh, the open vision is the highest vision. And the first time I ever had an open vision... I was probably about 24 years old. I was thinking about that earlier. How old was I when that happened? I was about 24 years old, and I had been baptized in the Holy Spirit for about two years. So my prayer life had gotten stronger in the Spirit, uh, the ability to speak in tongues, and of course the the ability of having been immersed in the Holy Spirit allows the gifts of the Holy Spirit now to manifest. But the first time I had an open vision. I was 24 years old, and I was living with a roommate, and we lived in a small house, and his father owned the house, but he was having a real tough time. He was a nice nice guy. He was a Christian brother. He was also spirit-filled. We, we had some good prayer times together, but I realized that he was going through some things that he really needed some, maybe I could say professional ministerial help. And he he was in a place I couldn't help him out as a roommate. He was going through a devastating divorce and there was tremendous friction between he and his wife that you know all the divorce papers and all that stuff's going on and you know I was just you know 24 so I thought well maybe I can be an encouragement to him and stuff like that but then I, then I realized Uh, No, he's really struggling and he needs pastoral help. He needs to really draw upon the Lord because uh, he was in such a state of just distracted and discouraged and despondent. He hadn't washed the dishes for two months. When I moved in with him, the dishes were piled up. I mean, it looked like two feet high. He had never washed one dish. And I remember when I was talking to him one day, I had turned around to to pick something up because I was trying to clean up and help him out. And when I turned back around to talk to him, when I looked at him, the Holy Spirit took me into a full open vision. And I saw with my physical eyes open, I saw him. And at the same time, I saw with my spiritual eyes and I saw what looked like to be ants. Now they weren't actually ants. They were evil spirits. But let me say this. When you think of an evil spirit, they're not always like, you know, like full-size, big evil spirits. You know, they can be extremely tiny. They can be very small. And these evil spirits look like ants. And they were crawling through his eyes. They were crawling through his ears. They were crawling all over him. They're actually tormenting him. And the Holy Spirit allowed me to see that, to realize He's in deep trouble, and this is not a good atmosphere for me to be living in. And I told him how much I loved him and that I wished him the best, but I moved out uh, shortly thereafter and uh, because, again, he was in a mess. He had actually gotten in a situation where his ex-wife, he had gotten in an argument with her father, and her father was so angry about the divorce that he actually physically beat up his son-in-law which was my roommate and i wasn't there when that happened or anything like that but i just realized this is a very volatile situation (laughs) and i don't need to be living in a situation where i'm in a in between like a war that's going on and so that was the holy spirit showing me that he needs a lot of healing and sometimes healing like that of course not not only deliverance but healing can take uh it can take a couple of years for people to grow and mature. And he was, he, he had been wild before he got married. I mean, he was like super handsome and he had worked out and like, and so when he got married, he was just totally, although he was saved in spirit field, he was just extremely carnal. And the woman that he, that he married, she was very beautiful and all. She was extremely carnal. So you had this clash <laughs> <laughs> of the flesh, and it was just a big, big mess, although both of them love god they 're very carnal, and of course, as you and I both know, you know it can take uh, even when you love the lord when you 're when you're just used to being carnal, it can take a while to climb out of all that mud that you 've been rolling around in for so long, all of that carnality and base, you know crude type stuff, and so it was just time for me to leave, and I did, but that was the first time I ever saw an open vision where I could see in the spirit with my physical eyes open. So he never knew that I'm like looking at his condition in the spirit realm. And it certainly wasn't a good condition. Praise God. Now I'm going to share some things today that I just want you to be mindful that a vision can happen to you at any time. You could be doing laundry and you can go into a full scare uh, full full not scare uh, full scale uh, full color vision and uh, it doesn 't necessarily happen during your prayer time or your devotional time. It can happen at any time. Praise the Lord, I want you to be open to that. It does make life quite exciting, praise God, when you realize that you can have one foot in the natural and one foot in the supernatural, and you can live in the best of both realms, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, speaking of open visions, let's go to, uh, well, before we go to Matthew chapter 17, understand here that what happened to Cornelius was an open vision, where he's just hanging out, and suddenly he sees this angel come in, and the angel calls him by name. So this is uh, this is not something where he's like uh, uh, in a different type of vision. He's in an open vision. It's an amazing. Saw the angel clearly. Praise God. Open your heart to open visions. Now, Matthew chapter 17, and there's different examples in the Bible of open visions, but here's Uh, To me, what's probably always been one of my favorite examples of it, Matthew 17, verse 1. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves. So there are some things that uh, if you're hungry and you're walking close with the Lord, you'll be privy to some special blessings that those that just don't have much of an interest in it, they uh, not only... Will it not happen to them? But in so many cases, they don't even know anything about it. No, I'm not saying that the other nine who did not have that invitation to come up on the mountain were not spiritual. I mean, we are dealing with the apostles here. Uh, Certainly Judas didn't belong up there. But you do have some men that are extremely committed to the Lord extremely into the things of God. And so up they go. Praise the Lord. I see some mountaintop experiences destined for you as well as one who has a heart very hungry for God and the things of God. Now, Jesus led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses And Elijah appeared to them talking with him. Well, you know, you're not going to hear too many commentaries, particularly on verse 3. It makes a lot of theologians nervous, you know, because they they scream and holler, oh, necromancy and, you know, stuff like that, communicating with the dead. Well, You know, I think at least we need to give uh, Elijah a nice break (laughs) because he never died. (laughs) That's communicating with the dead. Well, please, let's let Elijah off the hook because he's not dead. He was caught up alive. He's actually walking around in heaven right now with a physical body, just like you and I have. And he's not the only one, not only Elijah, but you also have Enoch, praise God. But also you have Moses here in this group of these two men that are communicating with the Lord in this visionary experience. Praise God. So yes, there is that um, time where you can have these type of encounters. I, I agree with the Catholic doctrine that would be known as the communion of the saints or the fellowship, the communion of the saints. I think I think we should probably talk more about that sometime because you hear a lot of visions about people saw heaven. People saw heaven. They saw God on the throne or they saw, um, they saw the angels, but they never, or how about this one? They saw the mansions, but it's almost like it's forbidden. You can't mention that there's people there. Oh, you can't say that or they'll they'll start saying, Oh, that's communicating with the dead. Oh, that's forbidden. Uh, communicating, with the dead in the sense of trying to do that through occult power and through familiar spirits and all that stuff yeah that's absolutely forbidden but we're talking about beautiful sacred holy manifestations of the holy spirit and should he take you to heaven in the spirit and show you heaven i just need to let you know heaven's not empty oh we know that there are angels there and Seraphim and cherubim, and we know there's mansions. But you ever stop to think who's living in those mansions? It's not the angels; it's the redeemed saints. Woo, praise God! And when you have a biblical foundation for these things, it creates a platform for you to step off by faith into your inheritance in Christ, and that could that could could include something special like this. Praise God! I have had encounters with the prophet Elijah. I have a a prophet friend of mine. He has had encounters, one-on-one conversations through visions, of course, with Moses. And that's because God chose that person, Moses, to share some things with him that helped his ministry. And I've had some things take place with me concerning the prophet Elijah. And I'm not going to really jump into that and unpack all of that right now, but I just would like to tell you that uh, heaven's not vacant Heaven's not empty. When a Christian dies, their life on earth ends. They go to be with the Lord. Their spirit and soul go to be with the Lord. Their body goes into the grave. But their spirit and soul uh, are in heaven, praise God. And if you ever had a a vision of heaven, trust me, the the streets of gold, there's people walking on the streets of gold. (laughs) The heavenly city, there's people living in the heavenly city. praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Now look at verse nine. Now, as they came down from the mountain and you can't, you can't stay in like an ecstatic state forever. You can't just, you know, stay in the glory realm forever. uh, The mountaintop experiences are so that you can be anointed and uh, illuminated and empowered by God to minister to those at the bottom of the mountain. Praise the Lord. Now, as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them. Now, now keep in mind, Jesus said this. Jesus commanded them, saying, tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. Now, what did Jesus classify as? That experience on the mountaintop as being when they, not only Jesus, but Peter, James, and John, they all saw into the spirit realm. At the same time, they saw Moses and Elijah appearing on that mountain, communicating with Christ. But while Jesus is doing the conversation with uh, Moses and Elijah, the other three men saw it. They saw it too. What's going on? A vision. Jesus called it that. He identified that experience as a vision. Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. So this would be Peter, James, and John with eyes wide open, physical eyes wide open, knowing where they're at. They're on the mountain. And at the same time, they can see Jesus talking to two saints. Praise the Lord that left the earth a long, long time ago thank you, Jesus. So this again would be another example of what we would classify as an open vision. By the way, uh, here in Matthew 17, in this story, we actually have what, if we want to be a little more technical, it's not only an open vision, it's also a collective open vision. In other words, uh, this is not something that just happened to one person like Peter saw it and he wrote about it. No, Peter, James, John, they all saw it, and Jesus has also seen Moses and Elijah. So this is like a corporate-type anointing where they are all, all four of them are seen in the Spirit at the same time. They're all four caught up in this vision, experiencing this vision at the same time. So there can be, for the individual, and open vision, but there can also be times when an entire congregation can see by the Holy Spirit's anointing and enabling, can see. And you all, at the same time, you're all seeing the same thing, and you're like, wow. Praise the Lord. That's, I would say that's kind of rare, but I think we're going to see more of that in the coming days, the collective anointing for groups, believers together, to see in the Spirit praise God. And it's always fascinating when that happens. You know, you can compare notes afterwards. Hey, did you see this? Did you notice that? Yeah, I saw the same thing. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. One time, just before the 2008 election, I think it was either like the night before or maybe two nights before uh, the presidential election of 2008, we had a, a corporate prayer meeting at our church, and we had those from different churches, uh, intercessors there praying, and we're all praying in our office at that time. We had a big open area. Everybody's praying, and right at the end of the prayer time, we'd been praying for over an hour, right at the end of the prayer time, I went into a vision, and I saw Jesus walk through the wall, come into the room where we were all at, and he walked right up to me, and he shared Something with me that was very, very interesting. I've talked about it before, but he he personally talked to me and gave me a personal message. And then when he was done, he turned around and walked away and walked right back through that wall and he was gone. And after that vision had ended and he had walked through the wall and disappeared, I opened my eyes and lifted my hands and began to thank God and a brother about 20 feet away. He said, Stephen, I saw him. He said, I saw Jesus walk through the wall, walk over to you, say something to you, and then turn back around and walk right back through the wall. I said, "Yep." I said, he sure did, didn't he? He said, yes, I saw him. (laughs) So, you know, it's very fascinating how the Holy Spirit can manifest this ability to see in the spirit realm and uh, just be open be open to the moving of the Holy Spirit. And when it happens, just lean into it and uh, uh, embrace what God's doing. Enjoy it. Praise God. And then always write it down later. I'm talking about real visions, any real valid vision. uh, It's something very special and it needs to be written down so that you never forget it and there could be some things that you saw that you may not fully understand at that moment maybe two or three years later you'll have a much better grasp on it that's why it's so important to write down exactly what you saw don't don't add anything to it write down exactly what was said don't add or take away anything from it that way it is preserved and it will prove a benefit not only for that moment but of course in the days to come praise the Lord now. Here's a question. Can you pull someone into your visionary experience? I think this is something we should touch on a little bit today. Let's do that by going to 2 Kings chapter 6. And in verse 17, you will see that, yes, you can pull someone who doesn't. Maybe we could say they're not yet activated. Or maybe we could say they're just not yet um, mature enough to get there yet on their own. But you can pull them into the spirit. Yes, you can. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 17. Take a moment and turn there with me while I get a drink of water. And Elisha prayed. Now, he, he has to pray for this this servant, this assistant, because the the guy can't get in on his own. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes. Well, pastor Stephen, the man's eyes are already opened. I, I don't now. Of course, again, we're looking at another open vision. His physical eyes are already open, but he can't see into the spirit realm. So what is Elisha praying that his spiritual eyes would be opened? Okay. I pray, open his eyes that he may see. In other words, see spiritually, see into the spirit realm. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Yep. Just like Elisha said, well, now pastor Stephen, I thought that Elisha, I thought he was making all that up. Well, he was the real deal, and those that knew him knew he was the real deal. Now, if you go around all the time telling people, oh, I had another vision, I had another vision, you're going to start to lose credibility when all of that, if it's all coming out of your soulless realm or it's just all, you know, something you're cooking up because you want to. But, yeah, but see, I'm saying when it's real, uh, it will carry an authenticity to it. It will have a weight to it and it'll have a holiness to it. Praise God. And God wants you to have it. But yes, if it is something that you are well-developed in, you can pull others into it. We see that example here by Elisha, who's already established in this. I mean, by this time, who knows, maybe he's had hundreds of visions, but yet he has a new helper, a Gehazi. It didn't work out with Gehazi. So he's got a new helper, and this new helper is a young man and it appears that a lot of these things are new to him. So he's going to need some help. He's going to need some, uh, some prayer, but you know, uh, there's a place where you can't ride the bike. Uh, what do we do in, in that place? Well, we're going to either have to get some training wheels on the bike, or we're going to let you ride the bike. And we're going to put a hand on you so that you don't fall over and hurt yourself. But after you've caught it, and by the way, have you ever noticed that once you've learned to ride a bike, you never forget it, even if you haven't been on it for five or 10 years? Maybe a little shaky when you get back on it, but that memory is still there. It, your, your muscles remember that. But the same thing with your spirit, your spiritual muscles. If you can just go there once then you know how you did it. You know how it happened, and if there is an impartation, not I'm not talking about a mantle, but if there is an impartation and an activation of that gifting, that anointing, then you're up and running. Remember, in the Old Testament, they had all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit except for two, which were what? The two they did not have were tongues and the interpretation of tongues, which is distinctly for the new covenant dispensation. Now today we have all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, but even back in the Old Testament, they had seven of them, an operation. Praise God. So yes, there is the ability for a seasoned prophet to pray, to lay hands on someone and bring them under that umbrella of anointing that he or she walks in. And next thing you know, you can get pulled into that. uh, And you can... Move into that realm. Praise the Lord. There is a beautiful story about William Branham's son, Billy Paul, is his name. And uh, William Branham was traveling, uh, going from meeting to meeting, and he was in a he was in between meetings, staying in a hotel, uh, a little bitty uh, rinky-dink type hotel. Maybe I should call it a motel, not a hotel, and. Staying in the room is his son, 14-year-old son, Billy Paul, and William Branham's brother. So that night at about 2 o'clock in the morning, Brother Branham was conversing with his personal angel, the ministry angel that God had assigned to him. And he asked the angel, Can I, can I, how can I say this? Show you two William Branham said to my brother and to my son, and the angel said, "You can show me to your son. God permits it that your son will be able to see me." And so William Branham went and woke up Billy Paul, who was fourteen years old, two o'clock in the morning, and he had a pillow. Though William Branham softly had a pillow over the face of his son, and he woke Billy Paul up, and he said, "Now, son, I'm gonna I'm gonna gently remove this pillow." But I'm gonna allow God's gonna allow you to see something. The the angel that ministers with me. Because by that time uh Billy Paul had already been in many, many of his father's meetings and, you know, ran the product table and stuff like that, so he always heard his dad talk about this angel and stuff, but you know, it's not like he ever saw him or anything. Well, William Bradham said, Son, when I pull this pillow back, he's gonna be standing right over here in this area, and don't be afraid. He, he will not hurt you or anything like that. He, he's a protector, but he's going to be standing right over here. And so William Branham slowly removed the pillow, and his son looked, and sure enough, there was the angel of the Lord standing there in the motel room. Now, what's interesting is that Billy Paul said it wasn't quite how he thought it would be. To him, it, it, there was a man standing there, And so sometimes we think all of the angels have to have wings and uh, stuff like that. That's not, that's not the case. They don't all have wings. Now, Billy Paul said that the angel did have a white garment on, but he looked, he looked like a man. And from his perspective, it just looked like a man that was standing there and it kind of scared him a little bit. And his father said, no son, he's an angel. He he's here. He's with me. And it's a beautiful testimony. It's actually um, if if you ever want to hear Billy Paul's testimony about seeing his father's angel, there's a a video on, on YouTube. It's called A Testimony from Brother Billy Paul. So if you just went to YouTube and typed that in, you could hear that very sweet story of how he saw his father's angel. But keep that in mind, William Branham had visions often, so he often could see that angel through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But for others, they would just hear about it. But it is true that Billy Paul said later, There wasn't one time after he saw that angel, there wasn't one time after that when he was in those meetings, he knew exactly when that angel would come on the platform. And although he couldn't see it come on the platform, he could sense that presence, same presence he he discerned in that motel room that night. And he he would hear his dad preaching. His dad would kind of ramble sometimes and knew exactly what his dad was doing. His dad was waiting for that angel to to show up and his dad would know it. And Billy Paul said, I began to know it instantly because of that presence. And now his dad could see that angel many, many times, but for others, you have to sense it by the presence, but they carry the glory of the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So yes, just as William Branham, the world's leading prophet at that time could pull his son into that vision and had permission to do it. Yes, there's an anointing for that. I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico one time. Kelly and I were traveling, and we just stopped off because we knew the pastor there that was hosting a conference, and he said, Bob Jones will be ministering. And uh, so he said, Stephen, just come on by and have a good time with us. I said, okay. So uh, I would say that Prophet Bob Jones, one of his strengths was the ability to very easily enter into visions. And the reason that he could do that is that he had developed – that area of his life he had developed faith he had developed a biblical faith in that area to be caught up very quickly into visions, and so for him that was one of his strongest strengths and it was so strong that he could actually pull others into that same anointing so can you ride on someone else's anointing can you ride the prophet's coattail as we've heard that expression yes absolutely you can but if you're if you do that or you're privileged to have that experience uh, remember that prophet's not going to be around forever, so you're going to have to learn to ride that bike. Uh, as we know, Elisha's not here anymore. You can't get Elisha to lay hands on you and pray for you that so that you can see. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> Same thing with Prophet Bob Jones. He's not here anymore. He's gone. Well, what do we do if they're not here? Well, you know, when there is that activation and you're activated, God expects you to grow in that and to develop that because you need to have it developed in your own life because if you're just relying on riding on somebody else's anointing trust me they're not going to be around all the time and you can ride that anointing not only in a prophetic sense of moving into those visionary experiences you can ride that healing anointing and there's a lot of people in the crusades of healing evangelists take Benny Hinn for example there's a lot of people that you can't you can't really say they have faith. They're getting healed, but what they're doing is they're under that anointing that's very, very strong upon his life, and so people are getting healed so often off of his anointing because they're they're, they're going to just catch that anointing, catch that glory, and the next thing you know, healing is going into their body, and that was also true with over the years with many. Of uh, Pastor Benny Hinn's ministers, who would assist him in those healing crusades and so forth, and a lot of them, uh, they went off to start their own ministries, and they thought, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work the same healing signs and wonders in my ministry. Uh, but when they left Benny Hinn's ministry and they went off to start their own ministry, they realized what happened to that anointing? Uh, well, that was never your anointing. That was his anointing, and you are next to him, working under him, and so you are, in a sense, participating in that anointing as it flows down. Psalm. 133, the anointing, the oil of the spirit flows down over the head, comes down the beard of Aaron, comes down over the garments, over the body of the corporate body. So a lot of those uh, uh, good men, they found out later, oh, that was actually his anointing. Uh, we thought it was ours. and you know. But that's all understanding kingdom dynamics, also uh, spiritual protocol, which is why if you want something to stick and to stay, uh, you're, you're going to have to really understand honor, And uh, if if there's honor that's being demonstrated uh, month after month, year after year, then you're probably going to receive an anointing that will uh, be resident within your life and not something that just will lift uh, once you're away from that person. Uh, These are things, of course, we understand uh, in the kingdom of God. Bless the Lord. But let me give an example. Uh, In that meeting meeting, in Albuquerque where Bob Jones was ministering. He just said, he, he told the audience, maybe there's about 2000 people there. It was at a convention center. He said, I'm going to pray for you. And he said, when I pray, the Holy spirit will just catch you up and you can just go up. Your spirit can go up. And, um, well, I wasn't ministering. So I'm up, I'm at the front and he's got a whole bunch of people lined up a couple thousand people. and uh, you know, people are just standing up. And, uh, so I'm just kind of like walking around having fun because, you know, I'm just relaxing. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not ministering, so I'm having fun. And, uh, I know the pastor is hosting the whole thing so I can enjoy myself. And, uh, so when Bob Jones prayed for people to go up, to be caught up, you had some that had valid experiences, but I could see others were really kind of struggling. One man was actually kind of frustrated. He was up, up, he was up the front and he said, Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. And I walked over to him. I just put my hand on him and prayed a blessing. I said, it's okay. I said, it's all right. I didn't try to explain it. But here's here's what's going on. If you have no prayer life and you have no close walk with God and you just expect somehow they're going to still pull you in and you're still going, you're going to ride the elevator up, it's not going going to happen. Even with a tremendous uh, anointing that's flowing, uh, it's not going to happen. You're going to have to... Walk with the Lord. You're going to have to. uh, You're going to have to pursue the Lord. And if you're doing that, and then you encounter an anointing, trust me, you'll. you'll, uh, Whether it's a healing anointing or whatever it might be, or prophetic visionary anointing, yeah, you could ride that just as easy as a surfer can catch a big wave and stand up on the board and off you go. It's it's not rocket science. But uh, if you're going to if you're going to surf in the spirit. You, you need, at least need to have a surfboard, praise God, have a prayer life <laughs> or all of this, you know, you're just going to think, oh, there's nothing to it. Well, there's not. If you're a meathead in the body of Christ and you, you don't really love God, you don't really, you know, you're just consumed with, you know, uh, stupid movies and, uh, you know, ignoramus television programs that insult your intelligence. And then you think you're going to go into a meeting and one prayer is just going to pull you into the glory. Well, not unless there is some kind of outrageous glory, <laughs> right? So it's not going to happen. But if you're just cooperating, even if you don't even know, but you have a hunger for God and you're open and uh, you really want the Lord, yeah, you can get swept into it. Um, I was in the back room, in the green room after that conference was over and uh, I saw Bob Jones and uh, I, uh, uh, he asked me to come over to him. And uh, when I did, he said, do you want to go up? And uh, I said yes. He said, "Well, lift your hands." I lifted my hands. He touched me just once on the forehead. Boom! And the next thing, I I, I had closed my eyes. The next thing, I just saw a vision just run off right in front of my mind, clear as clear, clear could be. Didn't what didn't try to make something up or imagine something or anything like that. I just I was I was there. My my spirit was in heaven, and I could see exactly where I was at. I was actually in the city. Of the heavenly city, and I would I would tell the prophet Bob Jones, okay, this is what I'm seeing, and then he would say, okay, this is what that means, and then he he would say things like, now keep on walking, and so I would walk and I would go here and there, and he was explaining things to me, and finally, as uh, as I kept on walking, I ended up on a dirt road out in the country, and he began to translate that you know you know prophetic meaning of these things, and basically said, Stephen, you're called to the nations, hallelujah, and I've been running to the nations. Ever since, glory to God. Mm-mm. Woo, praise the Lord. So, yeah, you you could ride that anointing, but remember, you want to learn to ride the bicycle yourself. You don't. You want to like continually stay in training wheel cycle. I mean, if a kid does that, the other kids are going to start laughing at him. Hey, when are you going to take those training wheels off? <laughs> right? You want to be able to ride yourself and just get in the spirit. You don't want to always be saying, Elisha, now please come over here, and pray for me again. I, I really like that last time you did that. I, I'm ready. No, no, you, you need to enter into that and catch that flow and develop your own spiritual muscles in those areas. It, now this is, if you have an interest in this and that way um, you're going through your spiritual journey, not just, you know, hoping for another sovereign visitation that might only happen once, you know, in twenty years, or for some spirit for believers, it's never happened. You know, but but you learn to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, and you have a very tender, sensitive heart. So you can very quickly respond the moment the Holy Spirit begins to move. You can go right in. You can go right in, and you can catch that anointing, and develop that, get better and better and stronger and stronger at that. And uh, you'll find out that it's a very very beautiful thing. Now, I do know. Uh, You know, I've seen a lot in charismatic, prophetic, Pentecostal type uh, meetings and churches where you're you're always going to have those that say, oh, I go to heaven all the time. Pastor Stephen, I was there yesterday. I was there this morning. I'm there. And you know, it's just, you have a lot of that fluff and fake and goofy and all of that. But the bottom line, the core truth is that there is an anointing to go up if you develop that, you can get real strong. Just like you can, you can develop your faith in certain areas, like for finances or for healing or for other areas. You can also develop your faith in the area of visions. And when you do that, and of course you do that by hearing the word, meditating on the word concerning that subject or that topic. And you can, um, you can become quite, uh, quite strong in that area. Praise God. Mm -mm. There are certain things that God has anointed me with in the area of certain types of spiritual gifts where, yes, I can pull others into that anointing that I I operate in. And the more spiritual they are, the easier I can pull them in. Now, I'm not talking about an evangelistic anointing because you can be spiritually dead. You can be unsaved or not born again, but you're going to hear an evangelist operating that anointing of salvation and preaching that, and that's going to pull them in to receive Christ in his eternal life. But as far as believers go, yes, I mean, if, if you're prepared, if you're prepared and you're, you're ready, then uh, we could go a lot further together than just one person trying to do all the pulling. Mm -mm. That's why the apostle Paul said that when you come to the, to the assembly, the assembling together of of believers in the Lord, then you're, you're not coming just to extract. You're also coming to bring something. And one of the greatest things you could bring is just your heart prayed up and ready for whatever God might want to do. So as the Holy Spirit begins to do it, you're just pushing along with that in the Spirit. And you can have a stronger anointing with a corporate collective anointing than you can with just an individual anointing just like one person can only lift so much, but you get, you get 50 people, you know, you can, uh, you can move a lot more. Praise God. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Let's continue on about, about these uh, wonderful things concerning the realm of visions. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm-mm. There's, there's probably some that are listening right now and you're thinking, well, pastor Stephen, I'd like to I'd like to dive a little deeper into this and I'd like to get like, uh, get some impartation or get an anointing to get up and running in this. But, uh, I don't really know anybody in my denomination or church who has any exposure to this. Well, you know, all I would say is that if you can't get, uh, around those who are up and running in it, then just keep listening to it. Keep studying it, keep reading it and keep drawing from spiritual sources and um, you can get it right where you're at. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And of course, if you can, if you can get into a service, let's say you want to get into the, to the prophetic and you want to learn to prophesy, or if you can get around those that are already up and running in that and have been doing it for decades. Well, my goodness, yes, go to one of those conferences, go to one of those meetings, have those people lay hands on you, (laughs) ask God for impartation, glory to God. And you'll find yourself uh, moving in that. Uh, But if you can't, for some reason, get there, maybe you are, uh, you know, on a remote island, but you have have a TV (laughs) or you have internet (laughs) and a computer and you're watching me or other good ministers then by all means just keep listening uh along these lines of these specific topics such as visions and seeing into the glory realm and being caught up and so forth and as you keep feeding your faith with this specific knowledge from god's word it will begin to produce eventually in your life but you also let me say this uh, if I can even temper this, when it comes to visions and uh, bonafide prophetic experiences, you're going to have to have a prayer life. Uh, it's almost impossible to get into this if you don't pray. And if, you, if it ever does happen and you're not praying, uh, then it, that's just God's total sovereign grace, and it may never happen again. But if you want to see it quickened, in your life, activated in your life, then you're going to have to have a prayer life to get into it, and more importantly, you're going to certainly have to have a prayer life to sustain it. Praise God. Amen. But it's a joy to pray, right? I mean, it's fellowship with God. Hallelujah. All of these things are good. Now, let's go back to Acts chapter 10. Praise the Lord. I want to talk just just a little bit more today about the second type of vision. There's three types. Let's go to the second type. The first was the open vision. And the second would be what is known in Scripture as a spiritual, excuse me, a trance. Spiritual vision is the third type. But let's talk about the second type, which is a trance. It's the second highest type of vision. The highest is an open vision. That's pretty beautiful, pretty powerful. But a trance is another type of vision, and it's a little more frequent, and uh, I wouldn't say it's common, but it is more common than an open vision. And I think that some of you, you're going to have your first trance vision. Praise God. Now, for those that maybe just be saying that made you nervous about a trance. ooh, that's the new age. They go into a trance. Well, you know, let's just stick with the Bible. And if you stick with the Bible, it will dispel um, any kind of error or you know, going off in a wrong direction. For example, look at verse 10, Acts chapter 10, verse 10. Then he, that would become, that would be Peter, became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. So trances are biblical. If it happened to Peter, uh, you know, this is not the devil doing this. This is God, the Holy Spirit giving Peter a trance. By the way, a little side note. It's a rabbit trail I'm not going to journey down today because it's a whole subject within itself. Notice that it says he became very hungry. Did you ever notice that or consider that that is a supernatural manifestation, a supernatural hunger for food that is way beyond a normal appetite? Here's Peter minding his own business, and suddenly he's engulfed with a tremendous appetite for food. I have had that happen to me before where one time, for example, I had a full breakfast, wasn't hungry in the least bit, but something happened that morning where God, through the Holy Spirit, put such a supernatural hunger on me that I said, I've got to eat and I I have to eat. Now I actually began salivating. I know exactly what's going on with Peter here. I got so ravenous hungry. I was actually driving down, if I'm correct, I was driving down Harbor Boulevard in Anaheim, California. And I got so hungry. I said, I'm taking the first exit. I don't care. The first restaurant I see, I can't, I can't stand this hunger. And I had a a very, very powerful experience that happened outside of that restaurant where I was able to lead Four young people to the Lord, two were unbelievers, two were pastors' children who had gone into rebellion and had walked away from God, and they had all four of them were uh in very very uh bad stuff, and the Holy Spirit led me to minister to them in great power, and they all four were restored to the Lord. The two were restored. The other two were saved. And it was a very happy ending. Then after it was done, the whole appetite thing lifted. (laughs) I wasn't even hungry afterwards. So it was a hunger that hit me because God was setting me up for something to get me to that restaurant uh, to reach those young people. And God's setting Peter up, of course. We know that as well. Now, notice he fell into a trance. What is a trance? A trance. Well, I can prove to you that it is a vision by looking at verse 17. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. Now, you'll always be safe if you let the Bible interpret the Bible. If you'll let Scripture interpret Scripture, you'll be on solid ground. We see in verse 10 that Peter had a trance. He fell into a trance. We see in verse 7 that the trance is identified as a vision. And the times where I have had heavenly experiences, where I have been taken to heaven, most of those, not all of them, but most of those have taken place when I just fall into a trance and I go into a vision. And the thing about a trance is that when you fall into it, you enter into the spirit realm with your seeing, and, and of course your hearing and everything. But you are completely oblivious to what's going on with your physical body. Uh, in other words, I could there's been times I've been praying in my bedroom and I would fall into a trance. I would leave my body and go to heaven. My spirit would go to heaven. But I'm all I know is I'm in heaven, walking around in heaven. I have no idea, you know, like I'm still actually my body is still in, you know, the bedroom of my house, but my spirit has gone. My spirit has gone, and when you read about trances and visions, uh, particularly with the mystic saints throughout the past centuries of church history, um, you know there were saints that would go into visions, and you know their spirit is in heaven. But let's say you had a monk in a monastery and he goes into a vision that I'm thinking of one particular man, Joseph of Cooper, uh, Joseph of Cupertino. And he would go into these visions and uh, the other monks would see his body there. And but yet he's like, as they would say in the Catholic Church, he's in an ecstatic state, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, uh, so he's there, hands up eyes not blinking nothing's moving and he's just there and so sometimes they would poke him and sometimes he would burn little pieces of his cloth or sometimes hold a little fire to him but nothing would move him and uh, he's he's just completely oblivious to what's going on in the natural Sundar singh the apostle to india back in the early 1900s he had many visions and uh, he, would, he would also have many trance. Many of his visions were done in a trance type state. And one time he went into a vision uh, in a trance. And when he came out of it later, he had realized that uh, he had actually gotten stung by a few hornets. But he didn't even know it. There was no pain involved or anything like that. Just uh, uh, some swelling uh, because they had stung him. But um, he, he didn't know that. In a sense, he was gone. So when I go into a trance, when the Holy Spirit leads me into a trance, I don't know where I'm at, except all I know is I'm where God has is with me, whether that's in heaven or the spirit realm or something like that. Praise God. I'll give you an example. It was a Wednesday night. Let me go back some years. It was a Wednesday night church service. I was pastoring and we had a good time and nice praise and worship, nice message. Um, but what the people didn't know is that my heart on the inside was broken. I was, uh, I and my wife were in, um, great sadness because our doggie Tabitha had just died and I can't remember right offhand if she lived to be nine years or 11 years I'm thinking she lived to be 11 but uh you know when somebody's with you for that like a decade you just they become family and that's what can happen with these precious little pets right and so our doggie had died she lived her life out and she died and uh, we had just, you know, taken her to the vet and she had to be put down and things like that because uh, of her age and also her body was just shutting down. She was about to die. And uh, it was so hard for us. And, you know, she, she died in my arms and uh, it was just very, very, um, I was so sad. But, you know, I ha- I had to go minister at the church, so I pulled myself together. But on the inside, me and Kelly were both just uh, tore up because we loved that doggie so much. Uh, Kelly had gone and picked her out from a kennel, and this was a very rundown kennel. But you know, she got this pure uh, purebred. Uh, Airedale Terrier, the King of the Terriers. And she was just a little puppy and she was covered with dirt and mud and was not well taken care of, but we got her and cleaned her all up and she was beautiful. She never did one thing wrong her entire life. I know that may sound pretty wild, but she never, I mean, sure. She barked sometimes when I wish she would have been quiet, but she never did anything wrong. She never scratched anybody, never hurt anybody. She was just Absolutely wonderful. You know, God gives these animals to us to teach us how to love. That's the whole purpose of animals is to teach us to love and to teach us to be patient. And they're used by God to help soften us and help us to be more loving and sweet And uh, Tabitha actually traveled with us all over America when we used to travel by motorhome. And there was years where all we did was go from meeting to meeting, meeting to meeting in the motorhome. And the whole time there's Tabitha sleeping with us and uh, sleeping on the couch, you know, and guarding the door and things like that. So anyhow, when she died, I was so sad, but I had to do the meeting that night and the Holy Spirit helped me get through it. And When I was closing the service after the message was over and we wrapped things up, I said, let's now have the closing prayer. And I was doing the closing prayer. And as I was saying the closing prayer, I, I started going into a vision and I knew I was about to go all the way in. And I quickly said, I quickly announced I'm going into a vision. God bless everybody. Good night. And I'll see you next time. And I just let go in a sense where I just let the Holy spirit pull me in and I fell into a trance and I went down on my knees. And the next thing I knew I was in heaven. Praise God. Now everybody else that was in that room that night saw me kneeling down and they began to quietly and respectfully stream out and to leave the service because the service was over, (laughs) but I'm gone. I'm, I don't, I don't know anything about that room or anything else. I, I just, I'm in a different world. And uh, I'm in. I was in heaven. My spirit was in heaven. Two angels met me and escorted me to my heavenly mansion. Now, this is actually the mansion that is designated for me and Kelly. Now, some some people get a little nervous with that. Oh, Pastor Stephen, when you when you get in heaven, you don't you're not married and stuff like that. Uh, As if you don't know that used to be your wife. I mean, I'm like, okay. So I understand what Jesus taught about marriage. But yes, if spouses, those that were husband and wife on earth want to live together in heaven, absolutely you can. And let me go a little bit further. I don't know why some theologians almost like take delight in trying to knock the wind out of Christians and discourage them by trying to get so intellectually brilliant that they're actually getting... uh, I don't know if I should say stupid, but I've heard I've heard some theologians say now there are no mansions in heaven. That word in the Greek means dwelling places. You know, in other words, so don't don't expect a mansion. They're just dwelling places, as if maybe there's like a Holiday Inn or something like you know we're going to be staying here. I don't know what they're trying to, but they're just always trying to pull down any hope or any joy. Let me tell you from a first hand witness with my own eyes of walking around in the city of God and walking up the street and walking up to my mansion. There are real mansions. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Amen. I, I would, I would not deny that for martyrdom. You couldn't pull that out of me with wild horses. I was there in the spirit. I saw it. I saw my mansion that angels took me inside lots of wood lots of exotic stone Uh, the wood appeared to be like a deep like cherry mahogany Um, it was beautiful 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 and they led me down a hallway and I, I just somehow knew this is leading to the living room and one of the angels who was in front of me turned around and he did like this he went shh In other words, be real quiet. And we kind of, if I could say, tiptoed down the hallway. And they took me into the living room of my mansion, of my wife and I's mansion. And there in the living room, I saw a beautiful fireplace with the fire on. I saw an exquisite mantle. Woo! I filled the anointing. I saw the mantle over the fireplace. I saw the beautiful living room. And I saw in front of the fireplace what we would call like a beautiful oriental type rug. And there laying on the rug asleep was Tabitha. I saw her there. That would be her. Now I know her body went into the earth, but her, her spirit, her soul are in heaven. I saw her laying on the rug asleep in front of the fireplace and what I saw next uh, just um, melted me to pieces. I saw her collar. She had a new collar on. But first of all, she, all of her youth was restored. She looked phenomenal. The, the same beautiful coat of fur that she had when she was like in the prime of her life and just all of her muscles filled back out and the beauty and she was asleep. She had a collar on that was solid gold. And I don't know how they do this in heaven. It's like the gold was solid, but flexible, comfortable at the same time. And I saw in cursive writing, it said, Tabitha Brooks, (laughs) going around the collar. (laughs) Woo. Hallelujah. It said, Tabitha Brooks, praise God. And when I saw that, the love of God just melted my heart. And I felt such phenomenal, such phenomenal love of God go through my whole being. The angels walked me back out down through the hallway very quietly. We went and did some other things. And then later, they allowed me to uh, to see Tabitha at a dog park. Now, they did not take me up to her. Um, and I did not get to pet her or anything like that. But I saw her from a distance at a dog park. The park was probably, I don't know, it was bigger it could have been bigger than the state of North Carolina I live in. I couldn't even see the end of the park, and it was, it was all on a level beyond the world's finest golf course. And I saw an angel take a tennis ball, and she loved chasing tennis balls. The angel took a tennis ball and threw it uh, easily, but it looked like it went a mile threw that tennis ball the angel did like a mile away and Tabitha just took off chasing that that ball i saw i saw dogs in their beauty and their prime i saw i don't know look like a thousand dogs but there it's not like it's you know they're um they're crowded or running into each other it was just the park was so phenomenally big and beautiful but there are dogs all over the places it was a, a dog heaven literally woo glory to god you have no idea The glory, the wonder, the love, the goodness that's awaiting you. You must continue on. You must keep the faith. You must cross the finish line and go all the way. Mm -mm. Praise God. Amen. You know, years before that had ever happened, I was talking with a prophetess one time, very godly woman, and uh, she was in her eighties. Her husband was in her eighties. The husband was my treasurer for my chapter that I, I I was the chapter president of a Full Gospel Businessman's Fellowship International chapter. And he was my treasurer, and she was his wife. Her name was Maya, uh, Henry and Maya. And Henry didn't have a bone of what we would call prophetic, visionary. He didn't have any of that. didn't have an ounce and, and didn't really care. <laughs> now, he was a great treasurer, good with money. He had worked a good job all of his life, but he didn't have what we would call... Uh, like a supernatural anointing of the Holy Spirit, but she did. It was all over her. And she prophesied to some great people. She prophesied to the uh, my spiritual father when he was much younger in the ministry. She was actually the one that God used, anointed her to drive to his business and say, the Lord is calling you into the ministry. You must go into the ministry. And you know what he said? He said, God would have to bankrupt my business in order for me to do that. My business would have to run out of money. Well, the business it did within about two weeks. <laughs> he was like, I'd better, I'd better obey God. But she gave the most beautiful words, gave a phenomenal word to Demas Shakarian, the head of the uh, full gospel businessmen. But she was a wonderful anointed servant of the Lord. But, you know, because I held these meetings every week for these chapter meetings. uh, And then when the meetings were over, you know, and we're kind of like just relaxing and talking about the meeting. It gave me the opportunity to talk to her about spiritual things. And I would say, Maya, can you, can you share with me some other things that you've experienced through God's visions, some other things that you have seen? She talked with me about one of the times, and she told me and my wife, Kelly, about one of the times when Jesus took her to heaven in a vision. Now, now it's kind of interesting because now she is in heaven. She, you know, she lived her life out and she died. So she's there Now, One day, praise God, we'll all be there. But she told me about the time when, uh, you know, Jesus took her to heaven in a vision. And she was allowed to see different things. She was actually allowed to meet her father. Now, her father was a Christian. He had died many years earlier. But she was allowed, permitted by Jesus, to meet her father. She was even allowed to go over to his heavenly home. And she visited him. And she, to her great joyful shock when she went into her father's home there was the little dog that the father that her father loved uh there was the little dog that she grew up with now she was i think like in her 60s when she had this vision but that was the family dog when she was a little girl that she grew up with and there was that doggy. she said in her father's home there in heaven so she saw the family dog the, the dog that her daddy loved but um This is interesting. She said, Father, she said, Daddy, she said, I have to ask you a question. I just want to be kind of, you know, transparent here. Um, Jesus has granted me this vision to be with you here for this amount of time while I'm with you in heaven. And I I see these things and I've seen some amazing mansions while I was being taken to your home here. And uh, he lived in what you would call like a heavenly Town home, maybe a like a heavenly condo, which is, compared to earthly standards, what he had was still beautiful, but it wasn't like a big whopper mansion or anything like that. And she said, Dad, she said, I've seen these other mansions, and um, yours is actually kind of small. So like, what's up with this? What, why do you have this smaller home? And he said, Maya, I never told you this while you were on the earth, and While I was on the earth, I never spoke to you about this. But for years and years and years, God had called me into the ministry, and I never obeyed him. Jesus called me into the ministry, and I never stepped into it. And because of that disobedience, that is why I'm living in this type of a residence, which was nice. But was it like this phenomenal heavenly mansion that you envisioned? No, no, because of a lifetime of decades of disobedience and saying no to the Lord. And there's no telling how many people he could have won to the Lord or how many lives he could have influenced for good. He didn't do it. Now, he he was saved, but um, no, he never obeyed the Lord in that area. And that caused a loss of rewards. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Heaven. It's a beautiful place. We know who we belong to and we know where we're going and your every heart's desire will be there. If you run out of time here, something didn't get accomplished. It'll be waiting there for you and a lot more praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I have seen other things in heaven through visions, usually through a trance by going into a trance. By the way, when I had that trance and I was in heaven and I saw, uh, Tabitha, when that was finally all done and the vision uh, lifted, I had my hands up and I was worshiping the Lord and the vision lifted. And when the, when the, when I came out of the vision, all the lights were off in the church. <laughs> There's nobody there. <laughs> uh, the deacons locked everything up. My wife had gone home with my daughter. And I was there all by myself. I'd gotten totally lost. I didn't know what time it was. Quite a bit of time had passed. All of that time I had been in heaven, completely unaware of what was going on in the physical realm. That's what happens in a trance. You are in a vision, and you're not aware of what is going on in the physical realm. Praise God. Hallelujah. I've I've had other times when I've been in heaven, again, having fallen into a trance and going into... vision have seen into heaven have, have gone to heaven and i have had the privilege of meeting redeemed saints again there are streets of gold in heaven nobody's going to argue that i just need to let you know that there are redeemed saints walking on those streets not just angels a lot of people um they never want to talk about the redeemed saints, lest they be labeled as like a crazy person or something like that. But all of your loved ones in the Lord, they're all there in heaven. That's why we want, we want to do all we can to reach the lost for Christ so that they can receive salvation and so that they can uh, make it to heaven as well. Praise God. So, yes, I've had the privilege of talking to various redeemed saints. I have two spiritual mentors. I won't say who they are on the worldwide web over the internet or something like that, but I do have two redeemed saints that are, I would call them spiritual mentors. And if that sounds a little bit strange, all I can do is encourage you to read church history and you'll find out that many of the great uh, ministers throughout church history, uh, particularly those that would be considered prophetic in nature they all had spiritual mentors because while you're going to have mentors on the earth that will help you it just could so be that there are some in heaven that have a keen interest in your life and particularly in the area of winning the lost and in the area of revival and the area of ministry praise the lord and so i have been privileged to to have those divine encounters one time i actually met when i was in heaven Having had a vision and being caught up to heaven, I met one of the 24 elders. That was a very, very special time, unforgettable time. I, I I don't know what his name was. All I can say is that he was a man that looked young, but at the same time, I could tell he was of ancient age, had a long beard, had a beautiful robe, had a golden scepter in his hand with a, a, a beautiful uh, ruby. Uh, about the size of my fist, a beautiful ruby on top of the golden scepter and uh, representing the spirit of wisdom and also representing the authority. And uh, I was privileged to talk with him and also to receive ministry from him. Praise God. He prayed for me because I wasn't sleeping well. <laughs> Oh, praise the Lord. My friends, these things are very real. Peter fell into a trance. And then verse 17, now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision, which he had seen meant. In other words, the trance was a vision. So can you pull out of something like this and miss it? Uh, you could if you were um, if you were not walking in faith. Just because the Holy Spirit is manifesting doesn't mean that you can just um, you know, kind of like uh, get out of the spirit. You need to stay in the spirit. You need to stay in faith so that um, you've, you just receive all that God has for you, particularly in that initial process of stepping into that vision or leaning into it. And uh, I mean, if you're not quite in it yet and you hear the phone ring, just do all you can to just, I mean, it, to, to ignore a distraction, a distraction, And pray, starts praying in the spirit and just lean into it. And boom, you'll go all the way in. You'll go all the way in. And then you'll receive the blessing that God has for you in that. Praise God. Glory, glory, glory to the Lord. Praise God. I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You know, um, I was raised in a denominational church that did not believe in miracles but they did believe in salvation and they were very strong on that and I'll always be thankful for the church I raised in uh, I was raised in because at least I I came to know Christ which is the greatest thing a person can ever know but then later when I was a young man in my 20s I received the baptism in the holy spirit and I began to realize there's more there's the gifts of the spirit there are visionary experiences but then as I continued to grow and mature in the Lord, I begin to uh, receive, you know, different types of teaching, uh, good teachings such as word of faith, teaching and things like that. But I also begin to realize that some, uh, maybe I could use the word camps, some camps or some tribes within the body of Christ, while they did believe in miracles, they didn't want anything to do with this visionary realm. Maybe they believed in healing. And and they're comfortable with healing because, by the way, I mean, healing's been pretty well established in the body of Christ today. You you don't even have to be Pentecostal or charismatic to to under, you know, almost everybody in the body of Christ today believes that God still heals today. Uh, Now, you'll have some that don't, but that, that doctrine has been established to the point of where maybe you could say it's a comfortably established doctrine across the predominant spectrum of the body of Christ. But in this other area of visions and visionary experiences being caught up, uh, that's still a little bit more of a segment that there are a lot of churches, they, they want to play it safe. They, oh, we don't know about that. But I'm just saying if you stick with Scripture and you, you walk close with God, uh, you'll see the Holy Spirit. He performs the Word. He validates the Word, and it's all through the Bible, Open tra- open visions, trance visions and then you would also have what can be called spiritual visions which is where you see the vision on the image screen of your mind but this is not imagination this is not trying to make something up you just you close your eyes and that anointing comes and there's there's the holy spirit begins moving and you start seeing it it's like um you know, in the stock market, they have, they have the, the ticker symbols going across on a board. You could close your eyes. That usually helps to lean into a spiritual vision. You close your eyes, and you just start seeing it. And I've had uh, many of those visions as well. Matter of fact, it was Prophet Kenneth Hagin who taught that the most common type of vision is a spiritual vision and i would have to say out of all three i i completely agree with that because the majority of my visions have been spiritual visions it doesn't make it it doesn't make it any less genuine uh it just uh, means it's more common and it's easier to get into these experiences through that first level of the spiritual vision praise the lord Mm mm-hmm Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. And you know, if, if, if you're around somebody, they're always quote, how can we say having visions and you know, you don't really, uh, you know, you just sense it's just a lot of fluff, you know, just say, well, you know, tell me something I don't know. You reveal something supernaturally that will give uh, credence to that. Because so often when the Holy Spirit is moving, he's not only moving through discerning the spirits, which is what's taking place when you're having any, one of the three visions but so often the other gifts will operate too i love the uh uh, many many stories of dr dgs dinner when he would have his heavenly visions uh he would often come back uh not only having seen heaven but uh he would meet people in heaven and uh, sometimes he would have messages for others on the earth to deliver Uh, one time he was in heaven and he saw a woman that he knew uh, now she had died. Now she's in heaven because she, she got sick and she died. So now she's in heaven. But Dr. Denechera knew that on the earth, her husband was extremely saddened and still very sorrowful about her death and you know her uh, home going to heaven. He just missed her and he was very, very sad. So he saw that woman in heaven and he went up to her. Uh, And he said that when he went up to her, she was actually in a, in a a place of worship. She was worshiping the Lord with many other people, but he was allowed to talk to her, you know, kind of tapped her on the shoulder and said, Hey, hey, it's me. And uh, she recognized him, of course. And he said, um, I'd I'd like to talk to you just for a moment because uh, your husband on the earth, he's very, very sorrowful about, he's still sorrowful about your death. He misses you greatly and he feels like there wasn't a closure. He goes, she goes, oh, she goes, okay, when you go back after your vision is done and the Lord sends you back, uh, have him go find... Uh, this one Bible. Uh, I think it was her Bible. In the Bible, there is a note, there's a card that I made out and I wrote some things for him. And she said, you'll find it right in this particular area of this Bible. And she said, make sure he reads that. It will bring him the closure and the peace that he's looking for. And so after Brother Denikaran's vision was completed, He's back on the earth, you know, and he goes, oh, I've, I've got to go find that brother. So he goes over to his house and, and tells him uh, that he saw his wife in heaven and says, we, we've got to find that Bible. Well, they found it. It's exactly where she said it would be. The, 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 the husband, he opens it up. There's a card for him exactly where Dr. Dinah Karen said she said it would be. And he reads it and just weeps, and it brought the closure and peace. It was she, she knew she was going home, so she had written some things to speak, uh, secretly, sacredly just to him. And it really, it really, uh, uh, you know, you, you can still love and miss the person, but it brings that healthy closure. Praise God. Look that that's why these things are so sacred. Uh, I've had it happen to me. Like I said, with my doggy story, I've had some other stories too. um, I'm going to put that in my next book. Some other things I haven't shared yet that the Lord has done to bring supernatural comfort and they've come through visions. And I've had other things where I've had certain visions. Um, For example, one time when I was in uh, Indonesia, I had shared with the minister about when I was taken to heaven and I saw my doggy. Oh, he said, Oh, he said, pastor Stephen, so-and-so has to hear you tell him this. His wiener dog died 20 years ago, and he has been in a depression for—it was 22 years. The man has been in a depression for 22 years and has not pulled out of it ever since his little wiener dog died. (laughs) So so while we're in Indonesia, the conference host called the man who lived in Hong Kong and said, Get on the next plane. Get here immediately to Indonesia. And Pastor Stephen Brooks will minister you to one-on-one, and he'll share with you his heavenly story. And I did. I shared it. He flew. He was there the next day. I shared it, and it brought healing and closure to his heart, knowing that he's going to see his little wiener dog one day in heaven. Woo! (laughs) I've heard theologians say, there's no animals in heaven look i don 't even have to go to heaven uh, and have visions uh, to check that one off as uh, no you 're wrong. I mean Elijah was taken to heaven by a chariot pulled by horses, okay, so we know there 's horses in heaven, and Jesus when he comes back for the second coming there will he 's going to be riding on white horses and on and on. this stuff goes and um, but i 've been there i 've seen the animals with my own eyes. I actually know one prophetess who was there, uh, she was taken to an area of paradise, a special park, where all of the original dinosaurs are kept, the originals, and they're real dinosaurs. And um, so, you know, there's a lot to do in heaven. It's a big place, but we could talk about this more and more. It's a lot of fun. But my friends, there is an anointing to receive activation in the area of experiencing visions and some of you have never had it happen before get ready praise the Lord amen but before I pray for you in that area I want to pray for anybody that would be listening to me but you don't know Christ as your lord and Savior but you know that he died on the cross well my friend he died for your salvation he paid the penalty for your sins if, you, if you'll just put your faith and trust, in the work that he accomplished at Calvary. He'll save you right now from your sins. If you would like to receive his salvation, pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross and you rose again on the third day to save sinners like me. Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you and I receive you now. As my Savior and my Lord, Jesus, wash all of my sins away and write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus. And from this day forward, lead and guide me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Walk with me. Lead me and guide me. Thank you, Jesus. And he will. In your name I pray, Lord. Amen. Amen and amen. He's heard your prayer. You now belong to him. Live for him and serve him all the days of your life. And one day, one day, you'll go home to your heavenly reward as well. We're all heading to heaven. All of those that are washed with the blood of Jesus and have Christ in our hearts. Those of you that would like to receive impartation for the anointing to see spiritually, which is what we would call visions. Lift your hands right now. Father all over the world, hands are going up. Different states, different countries, different time zones, day, night, and on and on it goes. But yet that person is hungry for you with their hands raised in the air in the air right now. Lord Jesus, let your anointing come upon that person now with the anointing to see spiritually. Let the realm of visions open, be ignited in their spirit. Now I release the impartation of visions receive in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Say that right now. Say, thank God for the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Somebody right now is seeing Christ on the cross as the suffering Savior. Glory to God. Amen amen. Look upon what God shows you. Praise God. Glory to God. And others, you're starting to go up right now. Hallelujah. I've been caught up before. Sometimes it's like I've been in that heavenly elevator, going up at a phenomenal speed. My grandsons were over the other day and spent the night and. Uh, and, you know, the, my grandsons, they told their parents, please let Grandpa, let Grandpa uh, Stephen sleep with us in the room so he can tell us more stories. <laughs> so I said, okay. Uh, so I'm sharing bedtime stories. Um, you know, it's supposed to be a 10 minute talk. Uh, it somehow turned into another hour and a half. That seems to happen. But they love me so much and I love them so much. But I told them one of my visions one time when I was taken to heaven. And I was actually in the very throne room of God. And I was right before the mighty throne room of God. And one of the beautiful, beautiful things that happened in that visionary experience. And when I finished telling my story, my youngest grandson sat up from his sleeping bag and said, Grandpa Stephen, that is the most beautiful story I have ever heard. <sighs> I said, praise God. (laughs) My friends, God wants you to have beautiful experiences with him. Get ready to encounter the Lord Jesus, the mighty resurrected Christ through visions. I'm not saying that you're going to see the Lord, but for some, be open to it. Be absolutely open to it. And for others, you'll see different types of things, but it's whatever the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you. Get ready to encounter the glory realms of heaven and the glory realm of God. Praise God. Now, Father, bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive Holy Communion. Grab some unliving bread. Grab some grape juice. The Torah commands that we teach our children the ways of God. Hallelujah. That's not only how to uh, live your life in the sense of obeying the commandments of God. That's also teaching them spiritual principles and spiritual truths of how they can walk in the spirit. Praise God. Don't, don't don't leave that to uh, just thinking, well, somebody else will teach them that like, well, who that needs to be you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Lead them into the holy things of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the bread, the juice. We consecrate it and set it apart as holy through this prayer. And we thank you that this is now the flesh and blood of Christ, our Savior, the man of Galilee, the Messiah, the Messiah, the son of God who has come. He's already come. He's going to come again to take his own home with him. Now, Father, we thank you for the flesh of Christ as we receive it. We thank you that there has been the release of activation. And we thank you in your own good time and in your own good way. And, of course, with our own good cooperation, we thank you that visions are our inheritance. And we believe in visions, and we will experience visions. We thank you, Father, we receive the body of Christ now, knowing that all of his promises are yes and amen, and that concerns visions. In Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Let's receive. Glory. Glory to God. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We asked that if we have committed any sin, you would wash them all away. We forgive anybody who has sinned against us. We completely forgive them. We let it go. We bless them, and we go on with you. Thank you, Father, for the cleansing blood of of Jesus, and we thank you for full access into your throne room through the shed blood, and we give you all the praise for your Son and his blood. In Jesus' name, we pray and agree and say, Amen. Let's receive. praise the Lord. Your walk with the Holy Spirit requires a flexibility. You can't be super rigid and say, not now, you know, Lord, you can't. No, no. God can do whatever he wants, whatever he wants. We need to go with his flow. Glory, glory. Use wisdom, of course, yes, but you yield to that that anointing. You yield to the Holy Spirit. God knows what he's doing. He's not going to manifest uh, at a wrong time or wrong place. If he's moving, you you just walk in wisdom, uh, just like I did, you know, like I closed that that meeting out that night in prayer, and then, boom, I'm free to go. Went right into it. Everybody else, spirit-filled, nobody, nobody had any trouble. Everybody's happy. Everybody's knows what's going on. God knows what he's doing. Just go with the flow. There's no telling when the Holy Spirit's going to move, but when he does, he's going to take you into these special experiences of visions, get ready, get ready to receive glory, glory, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know what? There might be some that see it that don't understand, but if God's allowing that, that could be exactly what they need. You know, Maria Woodworth-Edder, who was a woman that God placed, I would say, America's first mighty healing anointing upon and then after her you had amy simply mcpherson and then you had Catherine coolman and then it went on the benny hen that that mantle goes back to maria woodworth edder but she would go into visions uh right in front of huge crowds with many of the people in the crowd unsaved and she would be in that vision sometimes frozen in that vision she'd go into a trance and she wouldn't move for eight hours sometimes two days sometimes and uh, newspapers uh, with uh, cameras took pictures of her. Sometimes she would go into a trance vision, one hand with one finger pointing up and another hand with one finger pointing down, basically basically symbolizing, make your choice, heaven or hell. And uh, I mean, but that, that happened consistently. And many people in her meetings under that umbrella of that tremendous anointing that she walked in, guess what? They went into trances and visions also. Why should that be surprising when when it's happening with her and her ministry and that anointing's flowing, just going out? Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Catch the anointing. Glory to God. Have a great time in the spirit. Stay close with the Lord because he has some special things to share with you. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time.